Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. Let's get right into it. What am I talking about? Knives Out Dash or Slash Glass Onion by Ryan Johnson. I finally got a chance to see this movie. Ooh, I have some thoughts. <clears throat> I have some thoughts, and it's going to be, it's going to sound complicated. It's going to sound maybe contradictory. It's going to sound... Like I didn't like it. <laughs> it's going to sound like it a lot of things. Uh, you know what? Right off the bat, let's just do this. Do I recommend Glass Onion? Um, which, uh, well, let's start here. <clears throat> Apparently, Ryan Johnson, the writer-director of this new outing with the uh, Daniel Craig detective, whose name I can't uh, begin to pronounce, um, apparently he didn't. He didn't like the fact that it was titled uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out sequel or something like that. And I <clears throat> definitely do agree with him. I don't think that this movie should have been or needed to be connected to uh, the first one. Uh, you know, if you watch this on its own, the only connective tissue that it has to the original is that it's the same detective. That's it. Other than that, it's a whole new cast, whole new scenario, whole new, you know, location and set of events. Um, so it, I completely agree with him that it didn't need to have the Knives Out title in, in it in order for, you know, recognition. In fact, I think <clears throat> maybe it would have helped the movie a little bit more to not be compared to the first one. So, as I said before, right at the beginning, you know, starting off, what would my sombrero uh, count be? One being bad, five being, you know, perfect movie. I'm going to give this one a three. And, uh, you know, that sounds ridiculous when I laughed, you know, and joked a, a little while back and said Morbius and, and Black Adam, I gave them a four. But I felt like I should have always uh, have always explained that a little bit better. What I meant by giving them a four is that for what they are, you know, comic book movies uh, that don't have a running thread and connectivity the way that the Marvel Universe uh, does, you know, the, the way that they've earned <clears throat> their run... For standalone movies that are never going to go anywhere again, they were entertaining, not good, but entertaining. And that's, there's different metrics, you know, something can be really good and not necessarily entertaining. You can have a movie that's a love story or a movie that is, uh, you know, a psychological, you know, uh, movie about war, you know, or 
<clears throat> anything like that, where it's not, it's not entertaining. That's not the purpose of it, but it's a, it's a good movie. It's a good story. Um, in this respect, Black Adam and Morbius were entertaining. They weren't necessarily good. Now, Knives Out, or rather, sorry, Glass Onion is both entertaining and good. But the reason I'm giving it a three is because I cannot help but judge it against the first one. And, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about this. Uh, I thought about this after I watched it and I thought about it all day. And I was trying to figure out exactly what about the second one, uh, you know, bothered me that <clears throat> the first one was a five for me. It was like a perfect movie. So I'll back up a little bit and, and I'll give you a little bit of history of my feelings about Ryan Johnson. I really like Ryan Johnson as a writer, uh, director. I think he has a excellent, uh, mind for writing. I think he, I, I like the way that he writes his characters. I like the way that he directs. Um, <clears throat> I think he's, uh, um, probably one of the, the better combo, uh, you know, writer, director people out there. You don't have a lot of, a lot of those. Usually a director is only, you know, a, a visual person or, you know, or writer is, is stuck, you know, as a writer, but never gets a chance to, to direct the thing that they wrote. So Ryan Johnson is in, is a, he's in a pretty unique position, I think, um, and, you know, you can, I think the work will suffer less because the vision is more clear and more direct. That doesn't mean that you don't have fantastic visual, you know, decision-making visionary directors that can take somebody's writing and elevate it. That happens obviously all the time. And I think the same goes the, the other route where you can have a <clears throat> outstanding writer that, uh, gives, you know, delivers something that is so good that even if the direction is mediocre, as long as all the pieces are followed for the writing, you end up getting a, you know, a really good movie. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I don't know why my, my throat is uh, acting up here. But um, I never got a chance to review the original one. Uh, maybe I, I know that I went to go see it with Kenji. I know that we were both pleasantly surprised. And the reason that I say it is because I, as I was going through my history with Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, most of his things that he's put out have been uh, hits for me. I, one of my favorite things that he's ever created was The Brothers Bloom. Still one of my favorite movies. Highly recommend it. It's got Adrian Brody in it. Um, <clears throat> Rachel Weiss and uh, Mark Ruffalo. And it is, uh, and, and then it's got this Japanese actress. I don't remember her name, but man, it is worth your time. It, it's quirky. It has mystery. It's got heartache. It's, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's action in it. Like it, it's a great, uh, well-balanced movie. One of my favorites. And in fact, one of the things that put Ryan Johnson on my radar and, and had me go look for other things that he created, you know, and I consumed a lot of his other stuff. Anyway, fast forward to, uh, knives out. 
Love that movie. Uh, top to bottom. Went to go see it with Kenji. We walked out of the theater and we were like, man, that was excellent. And <clears throat> I didn't... When when Kenji and I went to go... Uh, when we went to the movie theaters, originally we were set to go watch Jungle Cruise with The Rock. It That didn't work out. We ended up getting these free vouchers to go watch something else. I knew that Knives Out was out in the theaters at the time, but I was a little worried about telling Kenji uh, who the writer-director was because of the bad taste in his mouth and, and, you know, quite frankly, in my mouth, too, for uh, The Last Jedi, which was the Star Wars movie that Ryan Johnson directed. We both hated that movie, and so I was a little worried to let him know, hey, the, the guy who made the thing you hated also made this other thing. I I feel like he would have been uh, really opposed to going to watch the movie. But <clears throat> we went to go see it, walked out of it, blown away, loved it. And then I revealed my subterfuge and he was blown away too. He's like, how? How is it that the guy that made that also made this other thing that I hated? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't know. It could be that the studio stepped in too much and they had a heavy hand in, in the direction uh, of where that Star Wars story was going and how that Star Wars story was ha- was handled. In fact, if you watch The Last Jedi, there's just a lot of dropping of the ball where things don't go anywhere, nothing happens. Ultimately, Luke is put into a, a terrible light and it's not the Luke that we grew up with or figured would go on to some kind of glory. I mean, if you got to kill Luke Skywalker off in that movie, there's so many different ways to do it and so many ways to honor the character and the legacy, and it just didn't happen. So that was, you know, what bothered us about that movie. I mean, among other things. So anyway, we go see Knives Out, walk out of it, fantastic movie, loved everybody in it, not because they were lovable, but they just played their part so well you know this this waspy uh you know upper crust uh uh dysfunctional family that was writing the coattails of their you know of the patriarch of the family and uh everybody had all of their motivations were uh selfish and negative and, you know, they they had no real warmth or love for one another. Everybody was jockeying for position to see, you know, who would basically take over the family fortune. It was an excellent, excellent movie. Uh, a whodunit, you know, murder mystery. And, you know, they introduced this detective with a funny Southern drawl, you know, with James Bond, Daniel Craig playing the guy. One of the things that I loved so much about Knives Out too was you didn't know who whose side he was on or if he was even on anybody's side. Like he was he was confusing and a little menacing and you know seemed driven to find out the truth and and didn't really care so much about individuals. Now obviously through the course of the movie as you see it spoiler alert, you see that he he has a big heart and he does care about people as well as the truth. Um and it was one of the first times I'd ever seen, uh, what's his face, uh, Captain America, Chris Evans, uh, you know, play a legitimate bad guy. And it was awesome. Also, 
The other thing that I loved about Knives Out so much is uh, Chris, is it Christopher Plummer? I believe uh, the the old guy in the movie. Um, <clears throat> him and the girl are such you know the 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 main. She, I mean, she's like the main character in the movie. What what the entire mystery revolves around. And uh, the two of them together are just, you know, very delightful and very warm. And you that you believe that relationship that she loves him and he loves her. And uh, it's like a uh, like a like he gets to be a father to her in a way that he couldn't be a father to his real children. So the way that everything goes down and the fact that Ryan Johnson allows the viewer to be in on what's happening, you know, like how he dies and why she's in the middle of this insanity and that he still gets to not let you see who the real person is, who the real villain is because everybody has an angle where they look like a villain it's just a, it's a great movie. So highly recommend it because of that movie watching glass onion. Uh, it was, it was a really crazy contrast to see something that is just not up to the same standard from the same person, you know, <clears throat> glass onion, there was nobody that was likable other than, uh, Daniel Craig's, you know, detective character, like he's, he's very likable, but even, even the shift in the character, you know, ended up throwing me off. So when you see him show up in the first movie, you know, nothing about his personal life, you know, nothing about his sexuality, you know, and, and it's better that way because what he is, is he's this force of nature that is bringing the the viewer along uh, as he is discovering and and you know peeling back the layer of clue after clue after clue and like I said you don't you don't really know whose side he's on for the most part and um, <clears throat> you know he he treats the from the police officers to the individual family members to you know, the, the person who potentially might be in the biggest trouble, which is the girl, he treats them all equally at a distance as he's trying to discover who's telling the truth and who's lying and what will happen when he finds out how will he handle all of that. In this movie, Glass Onion, you get a peek into his personal life. Uh, you know, it, it was it was like humorous that uh, he's married to Hugh Grant. That's his husband in the movie. Uh, also in this movie, he dresses much more stylish and flamboyant, while in the first one he had more of a, kind of like a detective, you know, look to him. I so So the choice immediately fell flat for me, that you went from this, the way that you established the character in the first movie to going out of your way in the second movie to paint him in this other light that to me is completely unnecessary. I, I don't care if he's married to a wife. I don't care if he has children. I don't care if he's married to a guy. I don't care if he, you know, whatever. Like that, there should, I, I shouldn't have to think about that. 
or rather, it's not something that should be revealed to me because I prefer to keep that character as a mystery. Like I, I want to think about like, why does he make the decisions that he makes? What is his private life? Like, what does he do? Like, how did he become renowned? Like there's sometimes it's, it works better to not give out information that you'd want to know because the, the mystery remains enticing. And maybe you do three, five, six movies with this guy and you reveal all that at the end. I don't know, but <clears throat> you know, there, I can see a, a point in this series where the final mystery is the mystery of his life and the audience gets to know him and discover his motivations and what brought him to be the person that he was. But <clears throat> that's for another time in this movie. We discover a little bit about him. Uh, the character, it, just knowing those things about him actually changes the entire feel of the character. You know, in the first movie, he's a little menacing. You feel like he could be a little bit physically dangerous in this one. You you know, he says it himself that he's not like at one point he says in the movie, you know, I'm not Batman and, and he's definitely not physically imposing in this movie. And, and, uh, he, he's not played in any way where you would think he could take physical action to defend himself or anybody else, which is a little bit of a bummer because like I said, in the first movie, you do get that feeling like he could potentially, you know, box you up if he had to. So there's, for me, that was like one of the first fails. The other fail is that in the first movie, the, this, this entitled family is for the most part unlikable and it works really well in the movie because you have the main character of, of the caretaker girl. She's extremely likable and because you have this set of quirky, unlikable, selfish people. And by the way, the selfishness that they're dealing with and is being presented is understandable. It's like relatable. It's not a selfishness that is so far outside of your, you know, or rather when I say your, I mean anybody's uh, experience that. You, you as an audience member could sit there and sympathize a little bit with this person's motivation or that person's motivation or that, you know, it, it's, it's a genius, brilliant way to put them in a certain light, but not too far, you know? So, so they still remain within kind of a likability. I mean, uh, you know, and the performances are great. So you, you enjoy the performances. And then on top of that, you, you get to enjoy some of the motivations. You get to kind of understand why they would you know, jockey the way that they do <clears throat> in this second movie, glass onion, n nobody's likable and none of the motivations are relatable, which is crazy to say that, like I said, this upper crust waspy family, that their motivations in the first movie are far more relatable to, you know, the, the common person watching the movie than this second set of people. None of their motivations to me were relatable in any way other than the one overarching one, which everybody's trying to cover their butt. That's it. So they're going to do whatever they got to do 
to make sure that they don't go down with the ship. <clears throat> so, you know, in the first movie, you have the contrast of the 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 girl who's you know who's the helper uh, to the, um, you know to the old man. She's extremely likable. In this movie, nobody's likable. I mean, even when they do the reveal of the main person, uh, I think Adi is her name, and and it's revealed how she was affected and hurt by the other main character, the, the billionaire in the movie. Unfortunately, you find out information so far into the movie that I, for my part, was never able to get on board with her and start to like her. I liked her performance for sure. You know, that that's the other thing I'll say. Everybody's performance was great. It's just that there wasn't anybody to like. And when you think, just when you think like, maybe you can start to like the, you know, again, the, the main female, uh, you know, who's in the center of all of this, then she's made to act out in certain ways where you're like, well, I'm not that that's just childish and petty and it doesn't end up making her likable. Um, <clears throat> the main character, the other main character, you know, the, the billionaire by Ed, uh, played by Edward Norton. I know that he's, um, like, a a mirror image or supposed to be a mirror image of, uh, Elon Musk and that falls flat. Like you, so, so here's one of the setups for, for glass onion. You know, so this is all spoiler alerts. If you have not watched the movie, just stop right now, go watch it and then come back and you can decide whether you agree or disagree with what I'm about to say. But <clears throat> the basic premise is Edward Norton's character. He uh, weasels his way into a relationship with uh, with Addie, um, uh, you know, the another main character. And she is connected to this group of a kind of 30-ish, like er, er, late 20s, early 30 uh, people, I guess, that have burned out, um, made up by you know, a pretty great cast. And um, none of them have reached their potential. So she brings, uh, Addie brings Edward Norton in. Somehow Edward Norton has some ideas that end up working out for each individual person. And, uh, they start to actually fulfill, you know, what it is that they've been working towards, uh, in their lives. <clears throat> On top of that, Edward Norton and Addie end up, uh, well, Addie comes up with an idea and Edward Norton figures out how to leverage the idea into a company that becomes extremely successful but Edward Norton's character is not particularly bright. He's he's able to scheme, which again is part of the thing that falls flat in this movie, is that Edward Norton's character is smart enough to be able to scheme and get things done, but he's not smart enough to really understand what he's talking about. And when you watch the movie, uh, <clears throat> Daniel Craig's character... Uh, something Blanc, I believe, you know, the detective Blanc, he spells it all out for everybody. You know, you, you, you see throughout the movie various mistakes that Edward Norton's character makes 
uh, when it comes to to language and the things that he's trying to uh, the ideas that he that he's trying to convey. And then there's a little montage where where the audience gets to see all the times that he messed up and said something that was, you know, asinine. <clears throat> and it it actually ruins the character that Edward Norton's playing because Edward Norton is basically playing Elon Musk. He, you know, he's got all these ventures. He, you know, he has a car, um, company. He's got a rocket ship company. He's got, you know, he's got all these things that he's, uh, that he's created and he's a part of a an idiot wouldn't be able to get that far, no matter how good of a con man he is, you know, at, at, at some point you just, you run out of, luck and edward norton's in character is entirely based on luck which again just falls flat if you're trying to compare his character to elon musk there's no comparison elon musk is the real deal i mean he's just about as legit as you can get there's not going to come a point in time where he, the the uh, floor will fall out from under him because it's found out that Elon Musk is not intelligent. The only way Elon Musk, his <clears throat> success ends is with him doing something incredibly stupid that society and the law would judge as wrong. Not because he's not intelligent, but rather because, you know, he decides to abuse someone or hide some abuse or, you know, hurt people in a particular way. Um, so right away, I'm like, oh, well, Edward Norton's character is, is not only unrealistic, but it, it doesn't even, he doesn't even parallel the real world person that, that he's, you know, supposed to be mirroring. Um, he wouldn't just not, he would not have gotten as far as he did and become as successful as he became, you know, a, a trillionaire, um, if he wasn't intelligent and he's clearly shown to not be intelligent on top of that, like I said, every person, uh, you know, every cast member, while they're great performers, their characters are extremely unlikable. And the main character, like you understand her motivations, you know, again, major spoilers, Edward Norton's character ends up legally pushing out, uh, you know, Addy, his partner out of any, uh, ownership of the company that they built together. And in fact, it's discovered that she's the one that came up with the entire idea for the thing in the first place. He is able to legally push her out. She gets absolutely nothing. And she has a twin sister that did not follow the same path that she did. Um, the twin sister ends up, uh, helping the detective, to try to figure out who murdered her, her, her sister, you know, the, 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 the create, the real creator of the company that Edward Norton's character has uh, stolen. And, um, you don't get a chance to like her. Like, again, I love the performance, but the character, there's no sympathy angle you don't, you don't get the opportunity to spend enough time with her to really generate the sympathy that you need to be on her side and uh, on her side and to root for her, which 
is exactly the opposite of what happened with the first movie, Knives Out. You were given enough time and enough of a, the scenario, the setup for that main character, that main female protagonist, you know, was, or not, she's not a protagonist. She's a, she's a heroine that, that female, you know, heroine, you, you get enough time with her to see how she got stuck in this situation and you're rooting for her to get out with this movie, Glass Onion. You, you don't get that angle. You don't get to see that. Like I understand revenge is a motivation. I understand wanting justice, but it's not done in a way where the audience gets to partake in that and enjoy that motivation. In fact, the reveal at the end and the way that she acts at the end, it ends up being incredibly petty. And it's almost like there's no stakes to, you know, to the whole thing. Um, one of the beautiful things that Knives Out did is, you know, at the end, Chris Evans knows that he's he's got he knows that it's over and so he has nothing left to lose so out of pure pettiness on his part and pure just you know like he's just a you know human poop he <clears throat> turns around grabs a knife off of this wall that houses a bunch of different knives leaps at the main character and he stabs her in the chest and the uh, the knife that he stabs her with is a prop knife from a movie, so it's meant to recede into the hilt, and it's exactly what he does. And you know, uh, that's exactly what it does. And he is not even able to accomplish his final defiant act, which is to kill this person that has, you know, uncovered him and undone him. <laughs> And it's beautiful and it's brilliantly done. And it's such a great misdirect for the, uh, you know, for people watching the movie for the audience, because you, you get to this moment where you go, oh man, this guy, you know, he's going to get his just desserts. And then you think he got away with one final defiant act and it turns out not to be the case. And it's beautifully, you know, beautifully played, um, beautifully acted. It's, it's fantastic. You don't get that same satisfying closure with this movie, um, which again is so odd to say that the performances are great. You know the the story is entertaining, but it's not good, and so that's the the difference. You know, the, I feel like Ryan Johnson leaned into social commentary with this movie in a way where the first one. You, you almost couldn't place the, um, the era of where the movie was taking place. Me, I mean, it didn't look old timey, but <clears throat> you could look at the first one and go, oh, this took place in the eighties, nineties or 2000. Like it would fit in nicely within the aesthetics of any of those movies, uh, other than the fact that, you know, people had smartphones in the movies, but that almost you know, the way the setting the house was and, and how confined everything was to that location, you could really not think about the outside world. And I thought that was, you know, it played brilliantly to the movie with this movie. Everybody gets invited to this private, um, you know, outlandish, um, Island and everything is bright lights and, shiny, you know, bobbles and, um, 
and again, every also every character's motivations uh, ultimately end up being the same thing. Like every character has a different life experience that they're dealing with. Uh, you know, so that angle is different for everybody. You know, one person's a senator, one person is a uh, uh, Twitch, you know, uh, influencer, one person's a scientist, uh, you know, so it, it, one person's an ex-supermodel. So everybody has different life experiences that they're dealing with and coming, you know, at at the situation with, but they all share the same exact common problem and the same secret none of all of them are being held hostage by edward norton's character with a particular type of information that he has on them and that they have on him so you could say that it would be well actually no let me back up edward norton has everybody in the same situation because of money so he is the money person to each one of them without him, they don't get to uh, move forward in their life and in their career because he's funding everything. So he's funding the Senator, he's funding the, the science projects, he's funding, you know, this secondary business that the supermodel fell into. He's funding the equipment and channel that the Twitch influencer, you know, Dave Bautista's, character is a part of and all of them collectively have power over edward norton but it doesn't feel that way throughout the movie so all of them collectively know the truth about how he pushed you know addy out of the company they all lied under oath for him uh you know when it went to trial and uh, so collectively they have a lot of power but the way that the movie plays it is that he really has all the power and they really just go along with it, which makes them super pathetic on top of unlikable, you know, when it comes to their motivations and their, their, uh, pettiness and, 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 um, what's the other word? Greediness. You know, it's not until the end of the movie that everybody finally decides to shift, you know, their, position and and kind of get to this point collectively where they go you know it doesn't matter what happens to me anymore i'm finally going to uh tell the truth about this guy but there's no satisfying reason as to why everybody gets to that conclusion and and the reason i say that is because the the twin sister you know who who survived the original sister that started the company you know addy addy's sister she throws this, you know, ten- temper tantrum and starts destroying everything inside of uh, Edward Norton's character's house. And then, um, you know, the big conclusion is he's pushing for this experimental, uh, potentially super dangerous, like world dangerous uh, compound energy source. And she ends up, uh, you know, using a, just a, a tiny little speck of it to blow his place up. I don't know why that would make everybody, you know, that she almost got killed. The the other the other uh, 
uh, cast to have their characters change their mind and go, well, you know what? That is now put me on the path of telling the truth about this guy and revealing to the world, like what really happened. There's no plausible reason given why they would change their minds. They, you know, this late in the game, if it's guilt, like, why weren't you guilty? Why weren't you feeling guilty when you destroyed someone's life? Why weren't you feeling guilty? You know, like, it's just, it's a very strange uh, ending to uh, an entertaining but not well thought out movie, in my opinion. And that's where, to me, that's the biggest contrast between Glass Onion and Knives Out. Like, Knives Out feels really well thought out. Um the, the motivations, the, the beats, the directing, the, you know, the way that the care, uh, the way that the audience is allowed to peek into some things, but information is held back that later on when it's revealed, it all makes sense. And it, and some of it was right in front of you the whole time with this movie. It's, it feels more of a stretch with, um, glass onion. It feels like the reveals are and and the connectivity of those reveals are more forced and um and yeah not really cohesive so uh you know I, that's why i got to give this one three sombreros like i said entertainment wise i think you'll be entertained i think you'll be entertained um performance wise i think you'll enjoy the performances but I'd be really curious to hear if you think anybody's likable. You know, it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> there is an oddity in the movie, a little thread that goes throughout the movie, um, where this guy, uh, Edward Norton's character has invited all of his, uh, friends and, you know, his ex-partner to the, um, to the island and, uh, but it's supposed to be just a time with them and not anyone else. And so he, he, he lets his staff go for the weekend because it, it, you know, it's a weekend thing. And, um, except for this one guy that is just hanging out on the Island, who's a random guy that just pops up periodically. And, you know, I, I think he's there for comedic purposes and it is a little comedic, but it's mostly head scratching. I'm not really sure what the choice was there for that. Like what the, like, maybe in that regard, I'm too dumb to understand the symbolism behind him popping up randomly and, uh, you know, not really having much to say. Um, so yeah, that was a little head scratcher, but, um, other than that, everything else turns out to be pretty straightforward but it doesn't turn out to be great. And so that is my glass onion knives out, uh, review. Um, yeah. If, if you watch it, let me know what you think. It, it uh, the other thing too, I thought was weird and interesting was the fact that it, it, well, and I think I know why they did this, but you know, it spent such a short amount of time in the movie theaters and then it went straight to Netflix and I think the only reason they put it out for like a month, I and maybe it wasn't even that long, 
was so that it could have some kind of awards consideration. I think that's why they do that to the to movies, certain movies. They'll put them out for a little while so they can have an awards consideration and then, you know, put them on the streamer, whoever it was that made it and bought it. And in this case, it's Netflix. Uh, so that's where you can find this movie. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm really curious to to see what you guys think about it. Um, it was, uh, I'm, there's apparently a third one in the works. I'm really hoping that he, I don't know that Ryan Johnson watches the first one and the second one and then says, you know what? The first one is the one that I should be leaning more on like that, that moron. That's the one that I should lean on more, uh, the sensibility and the style. It's more timeless. You know, I, I feel like you can watch the first one 10 years from now and it'll still feel fun and relevant and interesting while this one will you know glass onions will definitely feel dated because another thing that he did was he said it uh kind of in the middle of the pandemic so it takes place in 2020 and people are wearing masks and that that was another interesting weird choice is the kate hudson character there's in the first Knives Out movie, there was a uh, a shallow blonde um, that was had a daughter who basically like the the old man, you know, the the head patriarch was funding uh, was funding both of them. And, you know, the girl schooling and was inadvertently, you know, having money stolen from him by the uh the the blonde in the movie who w- was using it to fund some of her business that and her businesses were like not successes or her business was not a success <clears throat> she wasn't dumb she was you know conniving and um you know dishonest and um and and a thief in this second movie Kate Hudson's character is genuinely dumb and I don't, I don't know. It was, uh, it was like off putting because I don't expect someone that dumb again to, to reach levels of success in the way that she had, it was all accidental every step of the way. So it's, you know, it's that idea of failing upwards and, you know, just this weird accidental success that does not really happen in real life. I mean, Kate Hudson is beautiful to this day. I don't know how old she is, but holy smokes, she's stunning even now. It, so you can believe that she, you know, in, in the movie, she plays a supermodel. They call her a washed up supermodel. So at one point in time, she's a supermodel. Then uh, she's also very free with her tongue and not very intelligent. So some different choices that she makes in life end up sinking her career. Even, you know, being a supermodel doesn't have a long shelf life anyway. So it looks like she speeds that along. And then she ends up uh, falling into this other business where she makes like a, loungewear like sweatpants and things like that and um i guess she tweets 
stupid things that get her canceled all the time. So again, her character is not only shallow, but she's extremely dumb. And she has this handler in the movie who walks the audience through this moment where, you know, Kate Hudson's character says, or she, or the handlers like, so when they called you and they, you know, her, her business partners and said, Hey, this, this, uh, company that you're looking to go with to create your, your gear, they are like one of the top sweatshops in the world that Kate Hudson's character doesn't know what a sweatshop is, you know, which is, uh, an exploitive, you know, basically human slavery, you know, human slave, you know, barely paying any wages, uh, style of company, you know, in a third world country that she doesn't understand that term, doesn't know what that is and signs off and okays, you know, which is one of the bits of information that Edward Norton's character has over her. It just, I, I don't know. I, I, I kept thinking, well, nobody's that dumb. No, nobody who's successful is that dumb. And do those people exist? I'm sure. I mean, probably I just haven't met them. Every time I've met somebody who's really successful, they're either intelligent to somewhat intelligent or they have some kind of skill that keeps them there. So, you know, uh, whether it's, it's a sports skill or, or a, an art skill like music writing or whatever, I'm not saying that, you know, people that do music are necessarily also very smart, but you know, for the most part they are and the ones that aren't, uh, but they're able to do something, you know, specialized really well, then they can stay on top for a long time. But this character was, yeah, very perplexing. And how, how would this person just keep falling into success? And it was the same thing with Edward Norton's character. How does that person yeah, I believe his character's name was Miles. How does that person keep falling into success? It, you know, and again, everybody's overwhelmingly selfish and petty and unlikable. Uh, so I give it a three. So that is, uh, that, that's my final on Glass Onion. Take it or leave it. Uh, I'm curious to see if you end up watching it and what you think. I've got a couple of more movies that I'm going to try to get to uh, very soon. I'm the wife and I want to watch uh, Bullet Train with um, Brad Pitt, and it looks like a pretty crazy cast. And then there's another movie called Amsterdam, which also has a crazy cast, and that one's like a period piece movie. Can't wait to uh, check that out. And other than that, I still haven't watched Avatar two. I will eventually get to it. <laughs> so I will eventually review it, but, uh, yeah, interesting. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for following along. Uh, thank you for, uh, just, you know, coming with me on this ride and especially in the new year, let's, uh, do bigger and better things. I hope that if you guys made any, uh, resolutions that you are sticking to them, if you are already fallen off the wagon, you know, of your resolution, just know that you're going to fall a bunch of times. You just got to get back up. Got to get back on that wagon. Got to keep going. That's the only way to do life. Eventually, it'll become a habit that will be like you'll 
you'll wonder what life used to be like before you had this new good habit going. So I definitely encourage you guys keep moving forward, keep swimming, uh, keep humming along. I know you can do it. I believe in you, even if I've never met you. And uh, so, yeah, take care. Love you guys. I'll leave you like I always do. Take your vitamins, drink your water, eat your vegetables, stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. Love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye.